into the area. Janček, stamp through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, <laughs> the podcast dedicated to Hart and Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined by Mark Donaldson, who's laughing already. Yeah, just before we started this, Ryan McGowan said, oh, now watch him go into his posh voice. And you do, you just you just change. You have a different voice when, when you... And then five minutes into the podcast, you start kind of twang and, and slang and all sorts. But yeah, you, you have a radio voice, regardless of what anybody says. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm delighted that we're actually joined by uh, someone who has played for Hearts, played it right back for Hearts, uh, Claire Delworth. Hi, <laughs> that's harsh. Ryan's just we... been shoved out the window. Oh, Are you who? I'm used, I'm used to that now, Claire. I'm used oh. to being Oh, oh sorry, Ryan, Ryan McGowan's on here as well. Did, did you play for Hearts? <laughs> a long time ago, many, many oh. years ago. Oh, many, got, many, got, many got, years. A, got to love a dog in a podcast. Sorry, many apologies. My sister's just back from Germany from the weekend, so that's I'm started. That's okay, Claire. Now, has yours? If your sister had played for Hearts, how would you feel if she'd played for Hearts as well and had a better record against Hibs than you? Straight away, ouch! I would hate it. I would hate it. I'm quite competitive, so I wouldn't be able to cope with that. It'd be really hard to deal with, wouldn't it? Yeah, be a Show him your medal, Gowser. Show him your medal. Exactly. He's played more games as well. Someone <laughs> tweeted, which I didn't really. Only joking, Ryan. Obviously, wonderful to have you here, and uh, I can I can slag you all I want, but I have made a total of zero appearances for Hearts. So, um, yeah, you'll always have that over me. Uh, yes, uh, that's a small victory for myself. Thank you. <laughs> that's what that's what you'll say at the end of your career. What was the highlight? Yeah. Well. <laughs> I done a lot better than Laurie Dunsire did. <clears throat> uh, anyway, we are joined by Claire Delworth, who is right back for the Hearts women's side. Uh, thank you for joining us, Claire. I understand. Um, we have to let you know. You let the listeners know that you've um, had a, a dental emergency in, in case you um, get a bit tongue tied at any point. Yeah, um, swelling's going down now, but just in case any words come out weirdly. It's not actually how I usually speak. What's our excuse? Yeah, I, was gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I had the dentist today as well, just in case yeah, anything so did I. slips out. Andy Prime, the um, chaplain, just tweeted, yeah. me and Ruth were pretty sure we've seen Claire Delworth of Hearts walk past us in the dentist, but she was too quick to say hi. And I thought, thank God, because the saliva on that phone, I'm <laughs> pretty tight. <laughs> 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 so hopefully you'll, you'll you'll make it through but yeah listening to, to us three trying to talk i'm sure you'll you'll, you'll blend right in uh, we will talk to claire uh, about her career to date and and her time with the hearts women's side and obviously look ahead there's a really big game for the hearts women's team uh, coming up against hibernian so we'll preview that that's in a couple of weeks time at time castle we are going to talk about the men's side as well, the recent game against St Mirren 
and also close with a, a look ahead to this Thursday evening's match away to Celtic. Just about keeps possession now. Mackay Stephen, Barry Mackay, left side into the box, shot blocked, back to Mackay Stephen. Get in there. And Hart and Midlothian take the lead right on the hour mark. It broke kindly back to Gary Mackay Stephen, and he picked out the bottom left corner. Jack Anik rooted to the spot, and you certainly wouldn't say it's been coming, but we'll take it. 16 minutes left of the 90 here at Tynecastle. Free kick hearts. Kingsley steps up, curls in towards goal, and it's another Kingsley special! Beyond belief, absolutely beyond belief. He does it so often now, the technique is absolutely superb from Stephen Kingsley. It's goal number four of the season, and it's goal number three of the season from a free kick. Another wonderful strike from Kingsley. And just like that, Hearts double their advantage. Hart to Midlothian two, St Mirren nil. Okay, so first up, let's have a quick look back at the weekend when Hart to Midlothian hosted St Mirren at Tynecastle. Looking to bounce back from a disappointing defeat to Motherwell 2-0 at Fir Park the week prior. Uh, ahead of this game, Taylor Moore suspended after being sent off against Motherwell. He obviously dropped out, and Cochrane, Ginelli, and Woodburn all dropped to the bench. And in came Craig Halkett, returning from injury, Andy Halliday, Gary Mackay-Steven, and Liam Boyce, as Hearts retained that 3-4-3 formation. What were your initial thoughts about the starting 11, Mark? I'm surprised that Halliday got the nod at that left wing back. I think Cochrane's been doing very well. And Gary Mackay Stephen hasn't played too much, getting the nod to partner Harry Mackay in behind Liam Boyce. Glad that Liam was back. Uh, the back three picked itself with the, the suspension of, of Taylor Moore. But I think Halliday and Mackay Stephen were the two talking points when the, the team came out. Indeed. Uh, I mean, Craig Halkett back in, Ryan, he's someone who's received a bit of stick in the past and a lot of it justified I think he's really kicked on this season and I think his absence was notable away to Motherwell is it quite important to have that sort of solid defender in the centre of that back three because he does a lot of that I guess the the dirty work so to speak which allows maybe John Souter to step out and, and do some work with the ball yeah I think so I think sometimes the sort of quiet achievers of the team um, you know that old saying is you don't really realise what they what they provide or what they give to the team until they're missing. You know through suspension or injury. And um, yeah, like you said, it was a massive notice against Motherwell away, and no doubt that him coming back in sort of shored that defence. And I think you know between him and Suter and Craigie and Goals, they have a you know real good understanding amongst each other. And it was it was good that they kept a clean sheet, and it'll be good for him obviously coming back in, keeping that clean sheet and getting the victory. Claire, uh, Gary McKay-Steven, one of the other talking points, as Mark puts it. What are your feelings on him? Maybe Is it maybe split in your family? I think you mentioned off-air that yeah, your mum is maybe a big fan, but your dad less so. Yeah, my mum's a massive fan of Gary McKay-Steven's. But see as well, my dad's quite a big fan of Craig Halkett. And see if you watch Craig Halkett in a match day, nine times out of ten, he'll win any header he goes for. And I think against Motherwell, that was the type of thing that we needed. We needed someone with the grit and determination that can get dirty, and I think that's what we missed. But on Sunday, I thought that Mackay Stevens' first half is frustrating because I think all Hearts fans know he's got the talent, but 
with obviously the goal on Sun- uh, Saturday, hopefully he just kicks on. And like as my mum now says, he'll be the best player at Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the St Mirren side, uh, Mark, they were winless in five, only one goal in the previous three games, and that was against Dundee, St Johnston, Livingston. However, I-, I said this at the end of the last episode, I, I think St Mirren are maybe a better side than than some people would-, would think if they don't look into it. They've got a lot of good players in there. And a system that it's interesting, Mark. It's a system which almost matches up to Hearts a three-four-two-one, mm-hmm. um, but a back three. And in some ways, that did counter us quite a bit in the first half. It almost cancelled Hearts out. They could easily have gone a, uh, into the break ahead, and they're above Aberdeen right now. They're above St Johnston right now, albeit the other Saints have got a game in hand and. We saw when we played them in Paisley, they're, they're well-organised, they're, they're hard to beat, they, they graft. It's very similar to Motherwell, in a way. But how different would it have been, this podcast, if we were sitting here talking about our failure to, to beat St Mirren, or even worse, having lost to St Mirren at home? We let up 19 shots on our goal against St Mirren. Now, I don't want to be overly negative after a a defeat because I think it's great that we were actually able to get all three points having not been at our best. Yeah, exactly. However, we can't keep coming can't keep coming along like this with with conceding as many chances. And you know, I I wonder as as much as as we've we've kind of waxed lyrical about Devlin and Beningamy whether or not Benny's able to to come back for the the Celtic game on Thursday, if he's not, then could it be ultimately a not a, a blessing, but might it give us an opportunity to see someone a little bit more defensive in Peter Haring? Look, if Benny's fit, Benny plays for me, but it's probably going to be Devlin and Haring against Celtic, and even then, that that might not be enough. I'd like to see all three of them in there and maybe tweak things a little bit with having one behind Boyce instead of two. But we conceded too many shots to St Mirren, and, and that was the problem. And that's why I think going forward, we've, we've still got to be a little bit better as far as um, preventing the opposition from, from having too many looks at our goal. It wasn't. It certainly wasn't the best of performances, first half especially, but I'm probably going to have to give Ryan some credit on air since I've already mentioned it on Twitter. But um, I'll quickly play the clip from last week right now. Uh, what do you reckon, Ryan? Followed 2-0 win with Kingsley to score. <laughs> So that was Ryan's prediction last week, which was a 2-0 win for Hearts and Stephen Kingsley to score a goal. So um, that's that's pretty good going. That's, yeah, I, I did say that. Um, I wish we could. <laughs> you seem surprised. Um, at it, so. <laughs> yeah, it was the first time I've got one right in a long time. But yeah, I did have a good feel. I had a feeling that that was going to be exactly how it played out. That it was going to be a sort of, we'd spoken about it a couple of times where Hearts probably don't play that well, but they just grind out a win and, and move on basically. And I think at the weekend, that was definitely one that, you know, we probably rode our luck a couple of times, like Mark touched on Craig's probably making too many saves again, but he is paid to, to stop the goals. And um, <laughs> yeah, that's good free wow. kick. Well, yeah, that's what he's, he's, he probably doesn't mind making saves. 
Craig, that he Craig loves, listens, he loves watching these saves. Yeah. Well, yeah, he would enjoy what, watching some of those yeah. saves, wouldn't he? I'm sure, I'm sure he does. Yeah, but he'd like to be. A, I said it last week. He'd like to be a little bit quieter. What's Suter paid for? What's Halkett paid for? Kingsley can say he <laughs> yeah. scored. What's your True. wee Aussie pal paid for? Come on, you've got to protect oh. a bit better. I'm going to have to speak to Cammy because he's not scoring and he's obviously conceding a lot of chances. So what is, where's the money going, Cammy <laughs> boy? Honestly, he's, he's he's too busy. Instead of focusing on training and protecting the, <laughs> the three at the back, he's too busy focusing on trying to find a bloody statue of his pal outside <laughs> Tank Castle that you promised him was there. Uh, Your fault. It's at the back of Why Not, I think. That's where he should be looking. <laughs> <laughs> Claire, do you think you're you're a defender yourself? You you, you play right back for the the women's side. Is it um, can it make you complacent to have a goalkeeper? Do you think if you had Craig Gordon playing behind you, you might just think, oh well, don't need to worry about too much. He'll he'll bail us out. Your keeper is probably technically there to bail you out, like obviously. But then I think it's better to have a better keeper behind you. You have more confidence. Like you look at the team now. And even if you put the defence that we've got now in front of the team that got relegated two seasons ago, the likes of Joel Pereira and Bobby Zamal, and that's no disrespect to them, but in terms of quality, Craig Gordon's miles ahead. If you put them behind them, they would still be a bit more nervous than what they would be now playing in front of Craig Gordon. So jo- Joel, Pereira, Joel Pereira deserves disrespect. I think you hear both of them and goals and you'd still yeah. be more nervous. I'm also, I'm also quietly confident that none of them listen to the podcast, so we can have a little bit of a go if we want. No, because if anyone ever slated me, I'd be heartbroken, so <laughs> I'm not slating anyone. Oh, it's um, a big bad world of football, isn't it? We tried to get Jamie McDonald to slag them, but he wasn't having it. He kept, yeah. he kept quoting the union. goalkeeper's union excuse. So. Well, I'm hoping there's a right-back union. Too. There is. There is, me oh. and you. <laughs> How many unions are you a part of, McGowan? Uh, four. You can't play right back anymore, can you? Oh, I can. I could do a job if needed. <laughs> just one half go up. Just be a defensive right back. Exactly. Just the sort of... I'm an out-of-position centre-back, not a failed <laughs> winger. That would be my claim to fame. Because they say if you're a right back, you're either a failed centre-back or you're a not a great winger. What? Which one are you? Yeah, I wasn't a great winger. I started off up front, so that tells you how my careers went. Yeah, well... You'll be be in goals by the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) I Um, used to be a goalie. I got scared of the ball. (laughs) That jump from, like, five aside to seven aside is quite big when you're only me. (laughs) You you said that's the way my career's going. You're you're 20 years old. Yeah, been around the block, though. This is my (laughs) first team. Wow. Is it? You're actually one of the. Um, it's funny you mention that because you're actually one of the the senior players now. I think Chris mentioned to me, um, Chris uh, McPherson, who does the media side for the women's team. Um, I think he sent me a list of there's seventy something players registered, and I think he said that only five are older than a teenager. Is that right? Crazy registered list. at heart. As a, in the women's setup, so in terms of the age. Obviously not just the first say, I thought, team. I thought we'd gone back to the Romanov era where we had like number 84 and everything. Goodness. No, yeah. sorry. In all the age groups, I think ah, of all the of all the um of all the women registered in the different age groups, there was like 70 something 
I think there was only five. And I think you were almost, you may be top five of the oldest yeah. players. I was speaking to someone last week. We were playing Hamilton and I was like, oh, I'm quite nervous. Like, So we've always had kind of like a rivalry with Hamilton like because we were trying to get promoted at the same time as him. And they were like, you need to lead by example. You're one of the older experienced players. And I thought, I'm 20 years old. I'm not old at any point in my career. I've got another 10 years hopefully in front of me that I'm learning. We've got like 23, 24 year olds that are still technically a young, like any other team would be young and we're the experienced ones i'm not sure what else i can give to 17 year olds other than max <laughs> i think there's six players older than you sorry that's, yeah that's, not that's, many that's not many not many um in terms of the the game at the weekend so obviously gary mckay steven as we mentioned got his goal but the second one is something that probably just strengthens the the fact that we really need to try and get Stephen Kingsley tied down to a new contract because that's now three free kicks he's scored this season. Five free kicks in, what, a season and a half at Hearts? And the technique with this one, Mark, is just fantastic. There's a video from behind the goal, and I know you were kind of involved in some discussions earlier today about whether or not you should have your phone out um, to try and record something, whether it's a penalty or a free kick. Look, I was in London last week and I went to see Deacon Blue and I was annoyed at myself because I recorded some of Dignity on my phone. And by doing that, I kind of missed part of the song. So if you're at the football watching the game, um, can you still watch the game and, and take it in as much and just uh, celebrate um, a goal like that if, you've, if you're still recording? It was a wonderful free kick. It, it really was. And, and ultimately, what he's doing, what Craig Gordon is doing, and anyone else that's out of contract at the end of the season who's playing well right now is saying to Hearts, look, you want to keep us, you need to pay us. My question for Claire would be, do you know who Deacon Blue are? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to say I've heard of them, but I couldn't tell you oh. a song. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can't, You've never heard of them. You can just say that on his age. No, my mum and dad, yeah. My dad plays like madness and all that on the way to games on Sunday. It's his playlist, so I've probably heard it for that, to be fair. Has Ryan heard of Deacon Blue? Yeah. Stop it. Just. <laughs> Just. <laughs> In all seriousness, uh, back to Stephen Kingsley's goal. How you, how important is it to have someone like that in the team, Ryan? Because it, I can scarcely remember. I think there's only two players I can think of really in in my time watching Hearts who you felt we had a chance from a free kick, and that was Paul Hartley and Bruno Aguilar. Arcadius Klimek, yep. <laughs> Arcadius Klimek. But even then, I don't think they had the same threat from from these set because. As soon as you get to that, it's that, what, 25 to 30 yard mark where it's just far out. It's just enough distance that you can get up and over the wall, but not too far that it's hard to generate enough power. When you get within that range, now you kind of think it's, what, 50-50 chance that you might score, maybe even better than that if it's the right position? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think we touched on it a couple of weeks ago as well. Even his set-piece deliveries, either from free kicks or corners, you now know as a, you know, a teammate of his that he's probably going to put it exactly where you've been working on it in training and, and that just gives you great encouragement when you're making those runs to front post back post or whatever you worked on that you know that it's going to be nine times out of ten a really good delivery and it also plants that seed of doubt into the opposition players being like we can't give away too many free kicks in and around the box because like you said it's a, a really good chance now that if he's not scoring he's at least making them making the goalie work and a good save, a corner, a t you know, a chance. So it's, um, yeah, I, I was going to ask you, if you are 
you know, at, on the Hearts board, who's your top targets with the players that are out of contract? Who you, who's your number one, two, and three that you are focusing on? I'll go to I'll go to Mark first. Okay. Well, let's have a list of of the obvious ones so that we can kind of discuss. Kingsley, Suter, who else? I've got quite a controversial view here. Okay, yeah, good. I like controversial. Gordon, Halkett, Kingsley. Oh. I I don't think Suter, I think we've kind of got to a point where I think Suter's going to leave. And then you use the money that's... And if he does, this is only if he does leave, you get in Alex Cochran and Taylor Muir permanently. And then you've still got your back five that's been disrupted by Suter, but you've got a player that can slot in in Taylor Muir. Right now, Kingsley, Orden and Halkett look to be staying. And obviously, Suter's came back from two two or three ACLs. And if he's going to try down England, you can't blame him. No, I think that's fair. I mean, I think you're right with... I agree with that, yeah. Yeah, I think with the suitor item, that's my gut feeling as well. And we we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago that although people will talk about loyalty and stuff, you know, this could be as, we don't know if this could be as one big chance to have that, you know, significantly larger payday down in England. Um, So it's hard to hold that against them. But I think I would agree with you with number one being Gordon and it makes me nervous. I think um, that this is my story Twitter account posted, you know, Kingsley has to be the number one target. And I understand why I would say that, but I get worried about the Craig Gordon situation because everyone just assumes that Craig Gordon will sign a new deal. But he can speak to new clubs very soon. And although he's about to turn 39, you see goalkeepers going into their 40s now. And why would someone not go, we could get that keeper for either nothing or peanuts? Yeah. And he could walk into, you know, he, I don't think it's any number di- one could go, could be at a World Cup next year. He could walk into a lot of, I would say, top flight English teams without being, without being silly about it. If Craig Gordon played for Celtic last year, Celtic probably would have challenged, at least challenged Rangers a lot closer than what they did. And we're just lucky to have them. But that would be my priority right now is Gordon first. Oh, 100%. I would agree with that. Um, Halkett and, and Kingsley, I know you you started this one, Ryan. Um, would they make your? Th- I think I might swap Kingsley above Halkett, but I would probably agree with with Claire's three. To be honest, I would I would probably go Kingsley just because of what we touched on: set pieces, free kicks, just that sort of goal threat from from left back. Not being disrespectful to um, Halkett at all, but I just feel that 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 is pretty hard to find a, a left back. A good solid left back as well. We're not talking about a player that regularly gets beat and you know loses out in his one v ones and costs a lot of goals throughout the season. He's also a very solid defender. Um, I can't even remember a, a previous goal that I thought, oh, you know, it was Kingsley's man or Kingsley's got rinsed there. I've not really seen any games where I've come away thinking he's had a really rough day, which is which is a pretty good sign for a defender. So I'd probably go Gordon Kingsley. Halkett Suter would be my four. Like with Suter, you've got to, like football's such a short career. And if he's going for like the PD, like Hearts fans will be like, oh, but we got him for the ACLs. But in 10 years' time, he's got to look after himself. Like Hearts aren't going to continue to pay John Suter when he's retired because he stayed for an extra six months. So he's got to do what's best for him as well. And that might work out the best thing for Hearts. With the wage structure Hearts have got, 
they're not going to be able to get anywhere near what Suter will be offered and has been offered, although Hart said um, they weren't even going to entertain any bids last summer. Uh, they could, and, and listening back to the one, I think it was two weeks ago's podcast, we we're speaking about Suter and, and Ryan was saying, look, we should do what we can to to, to make him um, an offer that he can't refuse. And then that means that we can then sell him for, for 3 million. In essence, it sounds right, but Hart's wage structure is there and it's there for a reason because we don't want to get back to where we were. Let other teams, even Aberdeen and, and Hibs, are supposedly paying a lot more than Hart's top earner on a couple of the players that they have mm-hmm. or are coming in. We can't afford to, to do that right now and we don't want to get into the position that we were beforehand. So say this is all hypothetics, right? with no knowledge of, of any digits or figures whatsoever. Say, for example, John Souter has an offer at the end of the contract uh, in the summer to get paid 10, 15, 20 grand a week. Hearts can't match that because you're then getting to the stage, Ryan will know better than any of us. Sometimes you can have players, whether it's a club captain or whatever. I think Scott Brown had this situation at Celtic where if players can come in, uh, if the captain's got a clause in his contract saying he's got to be on exactly the same um, and no less than the top earner at a football club, you get into murky waters. I was just, I'm just jumping in. I've never had that clause in my contract. I've never heard of that, but that might be something I start trying to do. (laughs) (laughs) I heard that John Terry had that in his contract just before the takeover when they had a takeover. So he was absolutely buzzing when they went and signed. Remember they had that spree and they went and signed Drogba and everyone. He, um, yeah, each big signing that came in, he had to be, I think it was the same or more, um, which was in his contract, which would have been a a great contract to have. Exactly. I've I've heard of it before. I doubt it's something at heart, but I don't blame John Suter whatsoever for, for getting, I mean, what will he be on at Hearts right now? I don't know, less than five grand. He can oh, maybe get four. Yeah, of course. So he he can maybe get four, five, six times that by going down to England. No, everyone would do the same. And, and as Claire quite rightly said, there's loyalty in football up to a point, and it's rare that you get someone staying at a football club for a long period of time these days, especially if they're in a, a Scottish club and there's an English club that comes calling. Very quickly, I want to mention one more player from the submitting game before we move on, and that is Barry Mackay, because I feel, Mark, like, he, I think he is doing doing well for Hearts, but I feel like it might really kick on for him when, when he gets that goal. But one thing I, I really appreciate about watch, watching him play is he actually seems to be a little level above a lot of our players when it comes to... yes thinking ahead some of the passes he plays and it reminds me a little bit of when we signed Stephen Naismith when he first came on loan um, and he'd been playing I know he hadn't been playing regularly for Norwich but that's the level he'd been at with sort of English Championship and just before that English Premier League sometimes I think Barry Mackay is actually a step or two ahead of a lot of his teammates he has a little reverse pass little intricate ball between a couple of defenders. I think when people get on the same wavelength, he could be one of our most effective attacking players. Totally agree. And uh, I know I've got a few fan uh, pals of mine that are Rangers fans that weren't happy when he left the club because they thought he had something um, to go down to Nottingham Forest in, in 2017. And that's why I think the relationship with him and, and uh, Liam Boyce could be something that we build on going forward. If we can keep the pair of them fit, even if it's one up, one off, 
And that would then give you the opportunity to maybe play a Peter Haring in there. You, you take Gary McKay, Stephen, out that team from the weekend, and you'll have games that you can then play Benny Beringame and Cami Devlin, but you can also play Peter Haring in there and then have a, a Barry McKay playing off Liam Boyce. There'll be other games that you can have Ben Woodburn in there if it's a home game against sides that you might uh, think you're going to have a lot of the ball. So th- there's little tweaks that you can make to that formation, but I totally agree. And I remember when he first signed, we were like, okay, wh- where are we going to play him? What's his kind of best position? It's kind of coming in off the right-hand side, a smart player. And I think he's one of our most consistent uh, players this season. And uh, I think one of our most important ones as well. Okay, let's move on. And... Uh, Let's chat to Claire a bit about her career and getting into football because as well as being a player for Hearts, you are uh, a big Hearts fan, I understand, Claire. Yeah, I am. Uh, You've been going for quite a few years, I understand. Was it since you're about six years old, you've been going regularly? Yeah, I want to say about five or six, but I really couldn't tell you. My dad's probably taken me to games before that, but I just can't remember them. There would have been good teams back then, wouldn't it, Claire? Good players <laughs> playing back in those days. 2007. 2007, there was good players there. <laughs> Robbie, Neil- Robbie Nielsen at right back, yeah. That was when I jo- I wasn't in the team yet, but I joined. I remember it was good. We had a good team back then, Laurie. Yes. It wasn't bad. Claire, when you were when you were obviously growing up and, and watching Hearts, I know that it's it wasn't that long ago. You're, you're still very young in the grand scheme of things. But women's football has come along such such a distance even in that time. When you were five, six, seven, first going to see Hearts, did you ever imagine that there'd be a time where you could you could play for your favourite club? No, so like I didn't even know about women's football. So it's actually only been recently that I started to even pay attention to women's football. Like when I was growing up, I grew up at Spartans and I always like at halftime would be like to my dad, like, can we like can we get Spartans to go on the pitch? Because that, like, do you know how they do like the halftime kickabout? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the only thing I ever thought about being able to get on the pitch. So it has came massively. Like women's football. When I was young, like, I don't, my dad had to find out whether Spartans even had a girls team. Whereas now you would know that most clubs do have a girls team automatically, and there's now like academies and that for development on girls teams. And there was nothing like that when I was younger. So how did you first start? playing football was it just kind of kicking about <clears throat> in the garden with your dad with siblings or or when was the first time you got involved in like organized football um so my sister was a good footballer she played football with the boys and I think because she played it I wanted to play it and then I just my first memory is playing it primary one versus primary two and I was in primary two at the time we were playing in the school playground and then my dad must have just seen that I was like kicking the ball about quite a lot like so my granny and granddad live across the road from me and Paul Hanlon the Hibs players granny lives below me and I used to just kick the ball off their wall back and forth and she must have hated me because I used to do it for about two hours on the like back and then my dad was like right we need to take you to football and Spartans was there and that was me set for five six years so what age was that that you joined Spartans then? About seven, eight. So you were there for you were there for quite a few years. So uh, tell us about the move to Hearts because that came about um, was it twenty nineteen? Uh, no, I've been at Hearts since on, I was fourteen. 
Ah, sorry, no, I'm reading the wrong way. Yes, yeah, so you, you joined at 14. So how did that come about? Um, so I had moved up to Spartans under 17s at 14 because our 15s team didn't have enough players. But a lot of the 17s team were younger and Hearts had a 15s team. And my friend Misha, who had like literally grown up with like sidekick the whole time, was moved to Hearts. And then I got a call one day in school and they were like, oh, it's Hearts, do you want to come along and train with us? And I was like, yeah. But at this point, Hearts hadn't fully integrated. So it was just, it was technically Trinent Hearts. Okay. Because okay. Hearts hadn't fully integrated, but like I phoned my dad and I was like, oh, Hearts want to sign me. And Hearts were training out at Trinent on a Tuesday and Thursday night in Loreto High School in Musselbra, like for the winter. And like my mum and dad would take me, my mum would come straight from work and take me or my dad would drop me off like before Hearts games. Like we'd go to a game, get dropped off at Salton Park, run around. Or like a, my friend Michaela's dad, granddad took me a few times. Like it was just mental. Everyone, like now looking back at it, everyone was just running me about to football every day of the week. And I just thought it was normal. <laughs> <laughs> Take it for granted, those parents, don't you? So, so tell us about when did sort of hearts then become a sort of um, a proper setup as such? You know, when did you start then fully going in at, you know, stop training out at Trinent? When did that sort of whole evolution happen? So it was like about 2018, 19, like Ambudge started to say that she wanted to integrate us. So we started training at the Orium. So like we were managing to train there and it was like half eight till 10 o'clock at night we were training. And then we got to use their gym and it's just started gradually. And then when we got promoted, Ambudge put a lot of money into the club and was like, that's it completely. And over the last like year and a half, like it's completely and utterly changed. Like we're going now. Tomorrow I've got a day session and then we'll get food from the, like, over and, like, the women in the lunch hall make it. Then we'll go to the gym and we'll do another session. Like, before that, we would never have even imagined being allowed in the Orium to do a training session. So how, how does that make you feel, obviously, being a, you've touched on it, a Hearts fan for so long, you know, being part of this sort of first group of, you know, the last couple of years coming through, does it make you sort of proud how much Anne Budge and, and the club has integrated you into the into the club yeah like it's quite it's something I take for granted I think because like every day I just go in and I'm doing it and I'm in the gym and I'm doing runs and I'm like oh another set of runs but four years ago I would have been like this is where I wanted to be so it's now like I was saying recently to my dad and that I want to be like at the top but I want to reach the top with hearts and obviously with the money that we're putting in like there is a definite development within the club and it's re- like I am really lucky because I've been lucky enough to be the first team to play at Tyne Castle. Like all these things that as a child, if someone had said to me, you're going to get, I would have laughed, like and not believed it. So it's like things of dreams that I'm doing. It's just quite weird to think how quickly it's changed and developed, thankfully. You know, touching up, uh, growing up as a Hearts fan, who, who did you sort of look up to uh, as a player or, you know, someone did you have players that you wanted to play like or sort of idols were you growing up or were you just sort of a, a where are you going with this and, uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> <laughs> some pretty good right backs back in the day around 2011 2012 well, I <laughs> so, so i signed for hearts as a striker and it wasn't until 2018 when robbie horn the bonnie rig manager oh yeah, i know robbie uh, yeah um, his daughter Lucy's my best friend and he was like you're a better right back than you're a winger and I was like thanks Robbie 
<laughs> but, um, so I just kind of looked up to like Rudy Scatchell, David Templeton. Yeah, uh, to be fair, I was the same. I used to look up to Viridian Temps as well. Wanted to when I grew up, I want to play as good as those two. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan had to do all the running for Rudy. What was it used to yeah. say to you? You run on the out, you run on the outside, and I'll cut in and shoot, and then you can get back. <laughs> kangaroo, you run. Yeah, kangaroo. I'll shoot. <laughs> you run. I'll shoot. Kangaroo. No worries, mate. You just score. Get us a couple of win bonuses, will you, Rudy? And Temps used to just love that one. Temps used to always say that if he lost the ball. He would cut in on his right and lose the ball. And he'd say, oh, you, you were too late with your run. So the defender <laughs> knew that I was going to cut in. Fullbacks get the blame. Yeah, um, we get the blame for everything. A winger and my team loses the ball or a striker. They're like, why are you not running? I'm like, I've just done a 70-yard sprint. I'm trying to get there. Just hold <laughs> the ball up for three seconds, please. Give me a chance. <laughs> you mentioned playing at Tynecastle, Claire. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the upcoming Hibs game in just a moment. But you've obviously played there before. I think the last one was the uh, match that got you promoted to the top flight against Park Thistle in 2019. As a as a Hearts fan who's followed the club for, for most of your your life, what was that like being able to to run out at Tynecastle in a maroon shirt representing your team? Oh, I was so nervous. So I tried to play it cool the whole day. Like my dad took me through to Tynecastle and he was like, now don't worry, like what will be will be like you've put in all the effort this season like and you will get back what you've put in but see like going to warm up I was totally fine and then we got wee ball girls to go out with and I've genuinely at that point like I felt my hands shaking and she was like are you okay and I was like yeah and I was just so nervous like because it was something that I've like there was so much on the line and it got to the stage where I think all the girls were nervous because it was such a big build-up like before in the change room we had like a few videos on to get us like motivated in that and all I needed in that moment was to get on the pitch but as soon as you're on the pitch like everything just goes away like the like the 15 seconds of like lining up and going out it was just horrible so you will be back at Tynecastle very soon Hearts women against Hibs women the Edinburgh Derby so this is Wednesday uh, the 15th of December half past six kickoff at Tynecastle now I should mention tickets are free for this so you can Book tickets, no cost, on the Hearts website. Um, we're really hoping, Claire, that there'll be a big turnout because Easter Road hosted the last derby and it was a really impressive 5,500 there. I mean, that must have been that must have been some experience for you, especially given, obviously, the Orium is a great facility, but I think it holds, it's about, is it 250 or so? So that must have been a whole new level of experience for you, playing in front of that kind of, that sort of crowd. Yeah, it was, and... Like obviously, I was really disappointed to start on the bench that day and then I came on second half. So in the second half, I was right up on the sidelines against all the Hibs fans and the Hearts fans were obviously the other side of the pitch. And I remember looking up and I noticed this wee boy and I was like, I know his face. And it was Misha, who I was talking about from Spartans, wee brother. So I've known him since he was about four. And he's standing shouting, giving me dogs abuse at the side of the pitch, calling me this, that, and the next thing. And I was like, what is going on? I was like, just me being my own fans. So hopefully, time guys will come. We can repay that. Yeah. Let's hope we can get more than that. Do you think we can beat five and a half thousand? I'd like to see yeah, good. I mean, that was a record record attendance for a women's club game in Scotland. I mean, and it is tough. I mean, look at looking ahead to the Hibs game. Um, you know, for those that don't follow uh, women's football, Hibs are quite a few years ahead of of Hearts in terms of of their development, aren't they, Claire? So, 
you, you have struggled as a team, Hearts, against Hibs. I think you've lost the last three without scoring a goal. However, what was it like last December? So just almost a year ago now, 6th of December, injury time winner against Hibs. That must have been quite a buzz. Yeah, so I wasn't even meant to play that game. So I had to isolate the build-up and I managed to come back to the training on the Friday. And obviously it was Andy Kirk and Aaron Hughes at the point coaching us. And I went to leave and Hughes was like, where are you going? And Kirk, had me doing runs at the side because obviously I'd missed two sessions. And then that Friday night I came home, my gran had passed away. And it was just complete shock, like she wasn't ill or that. And on the Saturday, I phoned Kirky and I was like, oh, just to let you know, like my grand's passed away, but I want to play tomorrow. And he was like, you can't play. And I was like, no, I'm playing. And then he was like, I'll think about it. So I phoned like Hughes and I was like, I want to play. Like, please just tell him. Because like Kirky was like, if you could manage to get through to Hughes, you had hopes to get through to Kirky. <laughs> so I was like, I want to play. And I went to the game and Kirky was like, we'll see how you are in the warm up. So I tried my best to give the most professional warm up. I've ever given and I ended up playing two touch with keepy uppies 10 minutes before the game with Husey and Kirky was like right we'll start you and if we get 10 minutes out of you that's fine and then we went on and he gave me the captain's armband which I thought was like a really classy touch from him and it got to like the 70th minute and I could just feel my brain was just like I was just shattered I hadn't slept properly and I was just thinking a hundred different things and I could feel myself going and all the girls in the team that day were so good because every two minutes it was like, Delhi, focus, focus. And I was, like that just got me through it. So on like a personal note to beat them, obviously as a Hearts fan, it's great. Like any team beating Hibs is great. But like that weekend was really like quite something special for me. But obviously it was the first time we'd beat them in so long and they turned up like obviously Hibs... There's no doubt, like everyone thought Hibs were going to come and turn us over and that didn't happen. So it was a good feeling. I'm sure your gran would have been proud of you. Stepping sure in like very that. proud, yeah. It's a good story, that lovely story. <laughs> Just to touch on with, with your teammates, is there sort of a, so we obviously had Gary Locke as a, um, when I was playing was like the, the token hearts gesture, cheerleader, let everybody know that was coming to the club, you know, how important the derbies was. Is there a girl or are you the girl in the changing rooms that, that does that for the, the Hearts women's team? Are you the one that lets everybody know that, you know, this how big of a game this is and, and how important it is to try and beat Hibs? Yeah, so last season, obviously, like, Kirky made that quite clear, but there's, like, me, Ailey Begg, Leah Tweedy, her big jambos. So, like, before games and that, I think you can see within us it means more. And I think definitely, like, me and Ailey Begg are just diehard, so... I think it's quite obvious when you see games like that. Like my best friend Emily Much plays for Hibs and see on Derby days, like I just can't speak to her. Like the weekend, <laughs> I don't speak to her. I'm like, I can't physically do this. So like, I think the girls do know like it's a big thing. And we actually, I don't think it's ever been told before. Before the game at Easter Road, we got a message from Rudy Scatchell. He oh, really? Oh. A message. Like I think something happened like after the game, we didn't really tweet about it but I thought that was really good of him like he was like he said something and he obviously said his like quote that he says there's only one team in Edinburgh <laughs> and obviously Eva's like our new coach and she wasn't entirely like it didn't come from her so she wasn't entirely sure and she was like who's that and we were all just explaining it like <laughs> the girls have been like Eva's now well equipped she's been at the like museum and all that like we've just totally bought into the hearts culture and just you play for the badge and you play for the club before you play for yourself. 
Claire, when you look at Pedro um, coming in as the head coach of, of Scotland and Eva coming in, um, who had a spell over here with, with Houston, um, very successful and, and promising coaches. What does it say about the the, the women's game in, in Scotland and how far it, it's come that you're able to attract people um, like your head coach and, and the Scotland head coach to these shores now? Yeah, I think it's massive and it'll only help our development. Like, I think it's quite good that the Scotland national team coach, Pedro, plays quite like Eva. So yeah. it obviously gives us a bit of a benefit. That's obviously the next target is to push for a national like cap. I've never had anything to do with my national team, so that would be like good to have. But I think having that calibre also expands the league and it just continues to build it. And as like it just shows how far the development of the leagues came and women's football came because... You would never have expected the types of names four or five years ago. Three players from, from the Hib squad um, were in the most recent uh, Scotland international squad. But the key thing for me, two of them defenders and similar ages to you, Leah Eddy at 20 and Amy Muir at 21. There's three players around that. Jenna Clark from Glasgow City also at the age of, of 20. So Pedro's pretty much showing that if you can play well for your, your team, um, whether it's Hibs, Glasgow City or, or whoever, doesn't matter what age you are. And as someone that's what not 21 and, until next year, that's got to give you hope that any win or any good performance can, can get you the attention of, of the national team as well as, uh, as, well as uh, Eva. Yeah, definitely. And I know Leah Eddie through just like football and she was in the National Performance Academy. So like she used to train every day and she's, someone that I know like she struggled with ACL injuries and that and to see her getting called up is obviously really great like she obviously has worked so hard to get it but it also shows that I'm not a million miles away because we're the same age like there's about a 10 day difference of me and Leah's age so if I just keep working hard and keep putting in the graph that I'm trying to put in like I will be there and I've got to just prove to Pedro why I could possibly get picked however as well in Scotland the best right back in the league Rachel McLaughlin plays for the national team so I get to see Rachel and I watch her performances for Rangers every week to try and improve so it's always something I've strived to do is play and be the best I can be and learning from people like that and like Rachel Corsi who plays full-time in America and that would obviously be great but right now my heart's at hearts and that's where they're going to they're going to do a lot to develop me with the coaching staff like Eva and Sean who are both in like they're both great coaches and I've came on leaps and bounds just from the last few weeks with them. So first learn from them and then obviously got to just see what happens. Claire, I have no doubt with that attitude that you'll you'll make the international setup at one stage. That's that's half the battle is having the right attitude and the right frame of mind. And um, yeah, everything that I've heard from you tonight, I'm, I'm positive that you'll make that step up in the not distant future, I think. Thank you. Really and um, yeah, I was just going to ask you a quick question there. I was just, brought up a little bit of research. Would you happen to know how many appearances you've made for Hearts at such a young age? Yeah, I think it's about 66 because I've scored like six goals so it works out at like one in ten, my dad was telling me. You've sold yourself a bit short there. You've got 76 appearances for Hearts. There we go, 76. Seven goals, which makes you the highest scorer of the current players at the club. So oh, another I'm going to use that one at the team. There you go, yep. You need <laughs> to use all the, all the help you can get. So yeah, you're insulated for putting next week, and I'll be like, "Who's the highest score at the team?" <laughs> <laughs> Claire, how many of those goals were from further than a yard out? Oh, By the way, I've 
scored a few like I'm not one for scoring goals right but see the season we won the league I scored two and two weeks from the edge of the box top left hand corner and I kid you not every night training I tried to recreate these goals and I've still not been able to do it it would take Ryan McGowan 18 games to score from 18 <laughs> yards because of the cumulative total of, of one-yard strikes. See how um, we're talking about you don't want to get slagged off football fans, and I get this every week, getting slagged <laughs> off these two. Well, it's jealousy, isn't it? I mean, we're slagging you off for scoring for our team in a cup final against our bitter rivals. That's not a bad thing to be slagged about, is it? That not? was genuinely, I remember going to the game that day. And my dad was so nervous. And my dad and his friend Grant were like, see if Ryan McGowan scores, you'll probably be halfway down the M8 with celebrating. <laughs> when you scored, people genuinely just turned to each other and started laughing. Oh, I'm glad to. I'm glad I made a few people happy that day. Pure. Although my celebration could have been slightly better, but living it your was, own. Living it your was own. a very genuine celebration. That's what we like to see. None of it, yes. none of that keeping it cool. Claire, if, if if someone's listening and they don't, you know, they don't follow the women. Someone's team, listening. If someone, we've been known everyone's to, listening. Everyone's it's, listening. It's, it's been known to ha- podcast. It's For been known to. <laughs> if someone's listening and thinks like I don't really follow the women's team, why would I want to go to Tencastle and watch the Hearts women play against Hibs women? What would you say as a a player who's going to be out there? What would it mean to you to to get a big crowd inside Tencastle for an Edinburgh derby? Oh, it would mean everything. Like, I think I hate Hibs. Like, everyone will know that. Anyone that knows me knows I hate Hibs. So, see, even like to get the, to take the record attendance off them would be great. You go to men's games and you go to derbies, and there's obviously hatred and that. It's the exact same in the women's game. You've just got to come to the women's game with an open mind that it's more technical, like, it's more tactical. It's a bit slower than the men's game. But, see, if you give it a, like actually go with an open mind you will really enjoy it and there's no doubt like the Hibs girls that I know of they all hate hearts as well so it is a proper derby like it's none of this well it's a derby but it's not a derby English type derby it's a proper derby where if you come along you'll see the hatred between hearts and Hibs and it can be a really enjoyable night one of the I'm things sold. I lo- I'm sold I'm going <laughs> if I was there I'm going one of the things I loved from the last game at Easter Road, um, I think it was like three or four of my friends who've got daughters took their daughters along. And for a couple of them, it was their first ever game. And I, I think that's a great thing um, because it's not going to be crazy. It's not going to be 20,000 where I remember at times going as a youngster uh, to some of the bigger games. There was once, um, and I'll never forget this, going along Gorgi Road afterwards where um, my dad pretty much had to shield me from a, a running battle um, between the Celtic fans and some of the Hearts fans. And you're not, you're not going to get that. I think it's a, it's a great way. Um, and, and what happened there was the, the, the kids, the daughters um, of some of my friends wanted to go back. They, they wanted, when's the next game? And I think it's the perfect game. Um, it's a 6.30 kickoff. Uh, next, well, Wednesday the 15th of, of December at Tyne Castle. So it's not that late. You can still get home at a decent time. And it, it must be great seeing so many young girls and, and young boys in attendance at these games as well, Claire. Yeah, it's like after the game at Easter Road, uh, the first thing my dad's always said to me is go and see the younger ones because, like, Ryan, you'll not even remember this, but I was a ball giver when we beat Inverness at Easter Road in the Cup Semi. And you spoke to me. Uh, and it was just something that I was like, whoa, Ryan McGowan's just spoken to me. And I remember going home and telling like my granny and granddad and they were like, okay. But like my dad was like, that's how they'll feel 
with you possibly so after the game at Easter Road like I went over to the fans and all the girls did and we managed to get a good few photos with the young ones and that's the most important thing is like the younger generation because in 10 years time they're going to be the ones that everyone's talking about and if you can inspire one little girl or one little boy like that's amazing that's something that everyone just dreams of doing and I think that's just the most important part is getting these young ones along and seeing them at the football like it's just amazing so good so good let's hope that we can beat the the five and a half thousand I'm sure the Hearts fans will get out in their numbers to support you girls yep jump on the Hearts website I think you can find the links on the the Hearts official Twitter and the Hearts women's Twitter accounts and go on and pick up some tickets at no cost for the the derby on the 15th of December no hopefully hopefully a big turnout and hopefully um Hearts can get some revenge from the defeat they suffered at Easter Road in the last game okay we're going to move on and um, before we look ahead to Celtic and uh, have a quick final chat with Claire just uh, to mention a couple of little things Uh, we do have a new can I call it a spin-off we'll have a a new series as part of the Scarves Around the Funnel podcast coming and that's Shirts Around the Funnel so this will be separate to our usual weekly chat. This is going to be hosted by BBC commentator Paul Mitchell and uh, shirt collector Grant Young, who has, of course, been on the podcast before. And this will be focusing on different hearts kits, who wore them, memories, what made them popular, if you can still get those kits out there. Um, so keep an eye on our Twitter account for news about when the first episode of that will be available. It will be around a monthly series, I believe, at this stage. So keep an eye on at around the funnel on Twitter for that one. Claire, got any any favourite heart shirts down the years? The 2014-15 League Cup one. Or the 2006 um League Cup League Winning Cup League Winning Top or the 2006 um Humal number the yeah. 2000, I've yeah. got I've got my one from when I was about five at the time and Craig Gordon and all that I've signed it. And I remember going as a youngster and I tried to reek over Craig Gordon's signature. So now I've completely not leave room to talk, but I'm just not going to get with it. <laughs> well, Craig's a listener, so he'll get you a new one. I'm sure I'm sure he'll sort you out with a new one. I'll put some oh. pressure on him. Put some sure pressure on him. One on. Yeah. <laughs> Claire, have your tops been sponsored? Because I'll have to do this every time we get yes. someone on. Yeah, well, they have. Okay. I think so, yeah. And I've managed to get a boot sponsor in Neil Schools as well, who's been amazing he's got me like a fitness program and all that you listens oh, you listens i think yeah, to the podcast thanks neil that's great and it means at least that we won't get um we don't have to um start sponsoring someone by the end of the show because <laughs> i don't know if, i don't know if charlotte said but mark decided to um yeah, both, all three of us forward to sponsor yeah vol- volunteer to both because <laughs> I mean, all, all Ryan does is sit in, in Kuwait in a luxury apartment counting his money. So I just wanted to I thought it'd be nice if he spent some of that on a good cause. So we sh- we sponsor Charlotte's Away Kit. There yeah. you go. That's lovely. Yes. So we're very happy as sponsors for that. We are. We are. I'm just annoyed that I still had to pay a third. I thought Ryan should pay. I did offer before anyone starts jumping in here. I did. Um, And a quick, uh, another quick, not announcement, but um, 
we've we've got a little challenge and for those of you not on twitter you might not have seen us but we have the this will mean nothing to those of you who don't play football manager the pc game but we have the ryan mcgowan football manager challenge going just now um so i'll very quickly go over it because again if you don't play football manager you won't have a clue what i'm talking about but we've created an edit file um, so you can start a new game of Football Manager, and within this file, Ryan McGowan has re-signed for Hearts on a four-year deal. So you're managing the current Hearts side, all the same, <laughs> apart from Ryan McGowan plays, and he is the new captain of Hearts. So you have to try and succeed. I don't know why you're laughing when you're saying this, like it's a, a massive challenge. Should what be, position are you playing, Ryan? Right back or it, it's, it's up to It's up to them to decide yeah. where they're going to put me. Well, some people got quite creative and were, someone was going to try and retrain you as a striker. Um, <laughs> I, could have, I, again, I don't know why they're still laughing. I think that could be the right training program. You never know. <laughs> Who says you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Eh? But I, I, I'm. How much, how much are we paying him? How much, what's, his, what's his weekly wage at heart yeah. after his, his new four year deal? Um, yeah, what is. Well, 100. I. What was. I wonder if he's got a deal in it that he has to be the highest paid. I actually con I actually contemplated that as the challenge, match <laughs> high starter clause. But I just I put him on fifteen hundred a week with uh, a PS <sighs> bonus of one hundred and fifty of one five one, a goal bonus of one five one, an assist bonus of one five one, and a clean sheet bonus of one five one. And I think you actually get an international cap bonus of one five one as well. Oh, I literally did put all those in. Doing not bad. It's, yeah, just, I'm delighted with that. <laughs> So if you want the details and you want to download the file, you can go to scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Um, I have started and um, I'm playing Ryan at right centre back. And believe it or not, he's actually my top three performers for average rating just now and mm -hmm. scored in the first Edinburgh Derby of the season. See, there you go. There you Super go. And it was it. like, it was about, I sent you a clip of the goal. It was about <laughs> a yard out. So who, who it's says? A skill. I'm telling you, it's a skill. It's not about... <laughs> The last is the run, it's the movement, it's all those things combined that makes the goals. By the it's way, I'll back him up on this because I'm stuck back for corners because I physically cannot make a movement in a box that meant to win me a header. And I've tried mm -hmm. all the different things. I've tried running from the back of the box to the front. I've tried running front to back. I've tried standing on the goalkeeper and I just can't <laughs> run a header in the box. So it is quite hard. <laughs> How tall are you, Claire? 5'8". How tall are you, Ryan? Uh, six two ish. There you go. Well, there's, there's always that. Man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got a slight yeah, I'm advantage on that. Just keep moving. That's my only bit of advice on no, the move. I'm stuck at halfway now, so. Right before we go, we're going to have to look ahead, and this is. It's probably the fixture I least enjoy looking ahead to and least enjoy going to as a Hearts fan. Celtic against Heart of Midlothian at Celtic Park. Mark, do you want me to reel off some depressing recent No, film? why? No? Why would you do that? Because I always prepare it. Because <laughs> I just have to... That's for your commentary when we go 4-0 down, but don't do it here. <laughs> okay. It's not a it's not a happy hunting ground. Okay, well I, I will I will not go into the stats, but Mark, we're going into this one obviously as big underdogs, but we we go into it two points behind Celtic. We've beaten them this season. 
It was a very different story at Celtic Park in the Cup. I know the scoreline was 3-2 Celtic, but let's be honest, could easily have been 5 or 6-2 Celtic that night. Is this? We talked about the Cup game being a free hit beforehand. Is this another free hit for Robbie Nielsen and his Hearts team? No, because if we get absolutely thumped, then the fans, quite rightly, will be back out saying, have we not learned any lessons? So um, the, there's an element from our perspective of not allowing it to be damage limitation. What I would suggest with regards to this, looking and, and watching a fair bit of, of Celtic, certainly in Europe and, and recently, um, after the Livy game at the end of October, in November, they've kept one clean sheet. And I know we're about to move into to December, but that clean sheet was against St. Johnston. They conceded against Aberdeen. They conceded three times against Bayer Leverkusen, twice against Dundee, twice against Ferenc Varos. But the only way they're going to concede against us is if we... I, I, I don't want to use the phrase have a go because you can have a go carefully uh, without being gung-ho. But be smart, but don't be frightened of them. That conversation that the three of us had last week, Ryan especially talking about a mentality of a football team, and the Aussie mentality, the German mentality, whatever, they believe that they are capable of doing something. Don't go there and get your tummies tickled. Feel like you can score. Now, stopping them from scoring, stopping them from getting shots will be difficult, but I don't want a repeat of what happened when we went there in League Cup duty because that was embarrassing in that first half. I don't think we'll win. I doubt we'll draw. But you know what? If we can come out of that game with our heads held high saying, you know what? We gave it a good go. It was a 2-1 or a 3-2. And who knows? On any given day, then you might get a result that you don't expect. But at least have a go. Ryan, you're um, your best pals, big drinking buddies with Ange, big Ange. Um, you, <laughs> you know, big Angelo. Big, big Ange, your big pal. Yeah, you, um, you, you, know how we, you know how he likes to play. You've played under him for the, for the national side. Given you, you know his philosophy, you know how he approaches matches. I think you said before he, he's he's very much all in. It's his way or the highway. So you know how he's going to set his team up to play. They have they have started to to get into the groove. They've started to find their feet under him after a tricky start. But if you were Robbie Nielsen going into this one, or if you were in Robbie Nielsen's ear, how would you counter that Postecoglou team? With a attack, you have to attack them. If you sit back, like the sort of League Cup performance, you just invite them. We've touched on it before. You just invite them to play their type of football that they want to play. Whereas if you if you press them and try and put, like Mark's just touched on before, they've conceded a lot of goals. And Ange's team historically do concede goals because they take risks in areas that is that big old debate where you know Celtic fans will probably be thinking. We don't need to be taking these risks in these areas, but that's that's just how he plays. He's not going to change it. So nothing that Celtic do at the weekend should be of any surprise to Robbie. They're not going to start the game and go back to front and change the way they're playing. You can just guarantee you can watch the last 10 games. They'll play exactly the same. It won't matter who they play against, if it's home or away. So we shouldn't have a sort of Motherwell situation where we're shocked or didn't expect them to play how they're playing. Um, and I just think you just have to counter it with we'll score. You, you need to go there and we'll score. And you look at some of the results that they have had, like Dundee were, were bottom of the league. They've scored two goals against them. Um, Livingston went there and kept a clean sheet and drew nil-nil. It's not like the big old 
bad Celtic and let's just go there and hope for a, you know, don't get a, a, an absolute thumping. But at the same time, if you do go there thinking we'll keep this tight and, you know, we'll let them have the ball and, and play in these areas, the chances are you are probably going to get thumped. So I would attack fire with fire and, and just try and play a high-pressing, all-out attack and, and see how you go. I think that's the, the, the only way that you can sort of go against it. Um, and I just really hope that we're not sitting here talking next week about the opposite, you know, that we went there and started nine defenders and had Boyce isolated up front and it was just wave after wave of attack. I think we should try and get behind their fullbacks because we know that they're going to you know, push up high and come into sort of midfield. So that leaves your two wingers free, um, even a formation of, of playing your wingers up high you know, and putting their sort of fullbacks into that, um, you know, they're not sure whether to push up or go through because, you know, you, you have that out ball of a, a ball into the channel where your wingers can be. So I just really hope that Thursday night we go there with a positive attitude, positive mindset. And, yeah, you know, a lot stranger things have happened this season and in the past and then going there and getting a result. Claire, do you have much in the way of optimism ahead of this one or do you, you think it could be the same old story? In Glasgow for Hearts? No, I think this season with the team that we've got, we've got a really good opportunity to go there. And as like it's been stated, Celtic's defence aren't great. They've conceded the most goals in the Europa League. They've just been knocked out of it. I think if we go, they've obviously had a tough game against Aberdeen at the weekend. I think if we go there and we don't give them the respect that we usually do and we go and get in their faces and make it uncomfortable for them, then we've got good enough players to challenge that. There's no reason why we can't. I would argue that Craig Gordon's a better goalkeeper out of the two of them at the moment. Yeah. Probably got a more solid defence as well, attack, you can argue, for both sets of players. But it's not like we're going to go there and be 100 miles away from them. We can go and just compete, stand up 1v1, it's 11v11. Mystic McGowan, are you going to give us... We've actually got two games, I keep forgetting. We've got Livingston on Sunday. We're not going to go into too much depth on that because we don't want to jump too far ahead but let's let's just do a Celtic prediction since you're now you've 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 got your mystic abilities what do you reckon score and a scorer um, I hope that we win but I I don't I can't see us winning to be brutally honest so well, I'm after all go, that. yeah well I, I think if they play the way that I want them to play then like we you can get play. a result like I would play them if I was football manager how I would set the team up <laughs> But I have a feeling that we will get 2-0, lose 2-0. And I'm yeah. going to say that we can see the, the this big centre-back will score for them. Perfect. Um, yeah, Vickers, what is that? Come Vickers? Yeah. I really yeah. hope not, because I'm a Tottenham fan. And if you, <laughs> it's really upset me. But I have a feeling he'll score, and they'll go 2-0. Okay, Celtic. okay. Don't, you don't need to give me a score if it's the other team, actually. It doesn't matter. So no goals for Hearts after all that big talk, and he goes with the negative. What do you think, Claire? Are you gonna are you gonna be bold and predict something for Hearts? You don't have to. I hope I'm wrong. Hearts. I hope I'm wrong. But I, so do I, I. Think, I think we'll get something. Okay, I like that. I like it. Um, who am I going to go for for scoring a goal? And the score. And you know who I'd love to get on the pitch and score? Jamie Walker. Yeah, I, I'm, he's not. I don't think it. he'll be in the favour. So we'll go for. We'll go for like a corner again. Someone like Craig Calcutt, John Suter, one of our okay. centre halves from a corner. Like a 1 1, like at Ibrox? Yeah. 
I'd take a scrappy 1-0 last minute goal if we could Oh a win oh, oh. Go on Claire Aim more a draw a draw but Okay so we're going, we going to win or a draw Claire we're going to win or a draw Right let's go for a win let's be positive Oh I like it I like it 1-0 win Halk it is it from a corner then Yeah Although, I can't bet. If someone put that bet on you might get good money for it <laughs> There you go Mark okay. are you are you going to be as confident as Claire I think Kastutis Ivaskevichus, Andrew Driver and Mikhail Pospisil from a penalty spot will score for Hearts with Stephen John Presley, the consolation for Celtic. Pretty much exactly the same as the last time Hearts won there in the league. When Claire was six. Yeah, April April 2007. That's one of the worst things that that we have. Driver, Driver scored a free kick, didn't he? How how come I'm not allowed to mention these things? I have all this listed here. Positive. You to. No, that that's po- <laughs> no the way that you were going. So we haven't won for this. We haven't done that. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. And that so that was that's, there's a positivity. Um, so Kastutisivuskevichus, Andrew Driver, and Mikhail Pospisil back then. Uh, I think we'll lose two one in the in this one. Keep it nice and and positive. I just I hope we I hope we have a go. I hope we 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 score. Um, Liam Boyce penalty as he did in the league cup but sadly um furuhashi and jota for them so just let us be proud of a performance yeah i was gonna say that's all i'm after if we lose if we if we lose we lose but at least come back being like well at least we gave it a good shot yeah you know we we tried to win the game i'm gonna go bang in the middle um i I don't I, i can't quite i can't quite predict a win although uh I do respect Claire's um, optimism, but I'm not going to be I'm not going to be a miserable bastard like you two. I'm going to I'm going to go for a draw. Whether I, you know whether I think it might really happen. No, two two. Barry Mackay's going to score. Desmond. There we go. Why not? Eh. Mm. Buzzing two two. I'll take that. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> what's, that, what's that laugh for? <laughs> Maniacal <laughs> laugh. <laughs> uh, okay. Well. I have no idea. Just the ridiculousness. I've got to be there. I'm going to have to. I'm actually allowed in Celtic Park. I'm not going to be in the studio. We'll, I will be there. Here's a brief quiz, by the way. That is one question oh, yeah. quiz. <laughs> Laurie, Laurie predicted two all. When was the last time Hearts drew two all at Celtic Park and why was it really sore? Uh, I, don't, I don't know the year, but I remember the game. They were 2 0 up. Yep. De Vries and McKenna scored. Yep. And I. Agat and Sutton in injury time. That's bloody impressive. You were three, um, Claire. (laughs) April 2004. Kevin McKenna, 1-0-21 minutes. Mark DeVries, 2-0-77 minutes. Uh, Chris Sutton, two minutes from time, pulling one back. And then Didi Agat in injury time. That was a sore. We thought, I think I was commentating that day, we thought we'd finally managed to to, to get another win there and then shat on from a great height. (laughs) <laughs> thank you for joining us Claire it's been a pleasure having you on yes, thank, thank you very much for coming on thank you um, and hopefully uh, you get a really big turnout for the game at Tynecastle against Hibs and hopefully you can get a, a decent result we've had a, a couple of decent wins recently so um, I know it's been tough in the top flight last season especially but um, things starting to pick up a couple of victories back to back yeah, it started to like come together. I think there's been a few times where, when we've been playing under Eva, we've been unlucky with results as well. Like we obviously got beat to Hamilton first game of the season, but three penalties like 
Oh, and at least one of them was an absolute shocker. I was at that game. At least one. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, well, like, the, the last one was like an that, absolute joke. Things like that do genuinely like make it really hard because then you lose all momentum. But we started picking up, and obviously yesterday we were wanting to play Spartans, but it got called off for snow, and obviously that's quite hard to take when you're when you've got the momentum and you're on a good place. Obviously, Spartans just drew. We have, so it would have been a good time to get them. Like our confidence is high, it would have been good to see if we could compete. But that'll obviously just be a game for another time. But then we'll go into the derby undefeated, and obviously Hibs have got a game. Like haven't got a game either until the derby, so it'll be a good counter because that's about two, three weeks off with no game. Yeah, hopefully it's a big crowd. Hopefully a good result for Hearts. And we wish you all the best for the rest of the, the campaign and obviously your future career as well. Hopefully some international caps and some success to come at, at Tynecastle. Some further success, having helped them obviously get promotion to the top flight. Uh, we will be back on Scarves Around the Funnel next week. We will talk about the game at Celtic Park. We will talk about the game against Livingston. Uh, until then, thank you for tuning in. Goodbye. Goodbye.